Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm Christine Hargis. It is August 9th. And to talk healthcare with me, I'm calling Todd Campbell, a fool.com healthcare specialist. Todd, how's it going? I know you're prepping for a camping trip coming up, right? Yeah, I'm going camping. And as part of getting ready to go camping, I was doing some things around the house, uh, including a lot of gardening this past weekend, Christine, digging holes and planting plants and adding lots of fertilizer and soil. And you know what I was using for all of that? What were you using? Picks and shovels. <laughs> you're, you're spilling the beans too early. But let's let's dive right in, I guess, since we're already there. We are calling the theme of today's show Picks and Shovels. So some of you may be familiar with the term, whose origin is thought to come from the California gold rush of the mid-19th century. The wisdom goes that some of the most profitable businesses in the gold rush were not the ones that were actually finding the gold, but rather the people providing the picks and the shovels and all of the other necessary equipment for the diggers. Hardly any of the miners actually struck gold and uncovered fabulous riches, but every single one of these thousands of people who tried needed supplies. And so, in today's world, the phrase means any business that makes its money by providing equipment for a growing industry rather than actually producing the primary end product of the industry itself. So, we are going to talk today about two modern day gold rushes, and these are marijuana and precision medicine. And in the discussion, we will also unveil two picks and shovels ways to play these booming industries. Todd, are you ready to dive in? Oh, I'm excited. This is going to be a great show. I guess dig in probably would have been the, the better question. But so our first stock is not about the gold rush, but rather what I've heard referred to as the green rush. And this is the expansion of the marijuana industry. Yeah, green gold, if you will, right? Um, and, and, you know, obviously a lot of people, I, I, you know, as you know, Christine, I write a little bit on the subject with some of the other fool um, authors trying to help people steer in the right direction. Uh, one of the things that, that invariably comes up when I'm talking to investors uh, is the question, how big could this market really be? You know, everyone has, wants to think of, okay, well, what is the size of this opportunity? And the answer that I always give is big but we don't know how big, right? Because there's so much that uh, is gonna go into determining uh, how much money can be made in producing and marketing and selling uh, recreational or medical marijuana. By estimates though, I mean, those are the only thing we can use at this point. Um, we're talking about a market that could grow to 25 billion by 2021. And that's a huge jump from where we are today. Right. This is a, an industry that is growing at an incredible clip. Legal weed sales grew by 34% in North America to almost $7 billion in 2016. And as you mentioned, they're on track to continue growing at this kind of double-digit rate. Uh, the cannabis research firm ArcView predicts that weed sales will grow at a compound annual rate of 26% through 2021. And so that gets you to that $22 billion in five years. I also saw that investment firm Cowan & Co. called for $50 billion in legal cannabis 
sales in the United States by 2026. And yeah, as you mentioned, it's it's pretty tough to put such a precise number on this, given that there's so much regulatory uncertainty. But Mm -hmm. as of right now, 29 states have legalized medical cannabis, and residents in another eight states have said yes to having recreational weed also be legal. And so right now you have a humongous black market in both these legal states and also all of the states where it's not legal. And it's very difficult to put numbers on how much of that a legal market would eventually be able to take. But any way you slice it, this is a gigantic opportunity. Right. You know, I, and, and I think one of the biggest drivers of the growth over the course of the next few years is going to be. Um, the passage of recreational marijuana laws last November in California, which is already the hugest market for uh, medical marijuana, with its Emerald Triangle being one of the largest producing regions in the world of marijuana. There are already a thousand medical uh, marijuana dispensaries operating in California, and theoretically, if depending how quickly the switch gets flipped to recreational, Uh, Those could be up and running relatively quickly and and providing a fairly quick ramp up for market sales. You know, you mentioned the Cowan and Company prediction, which is just a a, I, I, you know, popping number 50 billion by 2026. But that comes with a huge caveat. And that caveat is if recreational is 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 legalized nationally, like on the federal level. Because I think one of the things that a lot of people fail to understand is that, is that okay, yes, individual states are going ahead and, and legalizing either medical or recreational marijuana, but marijuana still remains illegal on a federal level. Right. And that raises some interesting challenges for the businesses that are operating in this space. Marijuana stocks have been on an absolute tear because of the hype around this industry. You hear these projections and it's hard to not get excited about, okay, let me get in on the ground quickly and I'm going to make millions in this. But if you actually look at the businesses themselves, they face some inherent disadvantages. For example, because marijuana is illegal at the federal level, these businesses can't take your normal corporate income tax deductions. And meanwhile, they also have pretty limited access to basic banking services like a check account because a lot of the financial services don't want to have this association to businesses that are technically not doing legal business at the federal level. Yeah, and you create all sorts of risks there in the banking system as far as transferring money across state lines and all sorts of of things. So, yes, you're talking about kind of like a wild, wild west, right? Um, Rush, green rush. Uh, that that we're seeing here, um, the you have the regulatory concern, and and you know, not only is it still legal on a federal level, I think this is the other thing that's important for investors to recognize is that under President Obama, a decision was made not to get mixed up at the state level. If a state said it was okay, we're not going to enforce federally in those states. That could change under President Trump because his attorney general. Uh, is a guy named Jeff Sessions who has been a pretty vocal um, uh, opponent to the legalization of marijuana. So there's a lot of legislative risk and enforcement risk for these stocks. It's also still a Schedule One drug. Marijuana is still a Schedule One drug. And that creates some additional 
some risks and concerns that could limit the use, say, of it. Um, medically uh, or its expansion into other states. And then from a stock, individual stock picking level, there's this whole other component of, well, what stock do I pick? Because most of these stocks are fly-by-night companies. You know, they're started and their shares go out on the -the over-the-counter market or in the pink sheets. They're very high-risk companies that aren't held to the same level of scrutiny for listing requirements as say would be larger companies that are on the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ. So if you go out and you're buying these stocks, you're theoretically exposing yourself not only to the risk of picking the wrong stock, but of picking the wrong stock and having it be a a fraudulent company. And so those companies we're going to consider are gold miners, but what we want to pitch to you guys today is the the picks and shovels play here. So it is a a safer way to get some exposure to this industry by exposing yourself to a company that has a hand in the actual growing process itself. Todd, do you want to unveil what our our company is? Well, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I was doing a lot of gardening this weekend. And uh, I'd be lying if I didn't tell people exactly the products that I was using. I was using products made by Scott's miracle Grow. You know, the, the, the American brands like miracle Grow, uh, the Scott's Grass Seeds, Ortho, which is um, uh, used as a, as to, to deter pests, and they also market Roundup, which is the weed, killing, uh, weed killer. And, you know, sure, all of those products are well known to consumers who walk through the aisles of, the, of their local uh, garden shop or, or home improvement center. But what they may not realize as they're using those products is that Scott's miracle Grow is also... Um, the, the manufacturer of a very fast-growing uh, suite of products that are used in hydroponic um, uh, growing. And hydroponics is a big, big uh, market in marijuana. Right. So hydroponics means growing plants without soil. And this is huge, particularly for medical marijuana. And while the company hasn't even identified marijuana as an opportunity for it yet, this wholly owned subsidiary called Hawthorne Gardening Company, which is focused on hydroponics, makes up about 10% of the company's total sales. And it is growing astronomically. Yeah, we've got a company, we've got that segment growing at double digits, 20% organic growth last quarter, year over year. Um, and, and, and that's just organic growth. You know, Scott's has been extremely active in acquiring uh, companies in this space. And as a result, they now have all sorts of uh, soup to nuts offerings across um, hydroponic gardening. And, you know, obviously you don't just you you can use hydroponics for other things other than growing marijuana. Right. I mean, just you can grow anything And hydroponics. Typically, when you use that technology, you can grow things 25 to 50 percent faster than you would uh, in typical sales. So you've got company the company now owning brands like Botanicare. Uh, that's an Arizona-based producer of plant nutrients and supplements that are used in hydroponic gardening. You've also got um, them owning a big stake of Gavita, which is a big maker of the the lighting indoor lighting systems and such that are used uh, for for growing different plants. 
What I really like about this company as a way to play on the marijuana industry is, as we mentioned, that there's this safety net where even if the marijuana industry were to completely fall apart, which I don't think that's going to happen, you still have 90% of the business firmly based in an established lawn and garden care company. This is a $6 billion company. They, they have a, a 2% plus dividend yield. They're consistently profitable. They are far extreme from a lot of the marijuana penny stocks that you see out there. Yeah, their other business is a, is a slow growing, low single digit business, right? But it's a steady eddy business that kicks off substantial cash flow that they can then use for buybacks and for those dividend increases that income investors tend to love. Then you've got this kicker in the hydroponics business, right? Where you've got operating margins in that business of about 20% plus. You've got sales representing an increasingly larger uh, percentage of the total haul taken in by Scott's Miracle Grow. I wouldn't be surprised if we're approaching 20% of revenue over the course of the next year or two, uh, just based on on their acquisition activity. And this business is it's it's growing pretty rapidly. I mean, there's a lot of demand as as legalization occurs in these different states. And theoretically, since we're early innings, you have a long runway of that growth, which is also important. You know, I mean, who knows, right, Christine? Maybe down the line, they even spin this company off to investors uh, once it reaches a certain level of, of of sales and profitability. That's a really interesting idea. We're going to pivot to our second gold rush in healthcare, which is precision medicine, right after a short break. Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. All right, Todd, time to talk about precision medicine and a potential picks and shovels way to play on that market. This is an amazing and fast-moving opportunity that investors have to do some research on and become a little bit aware of. The reality is that as technology is advancing, we're learning more and more about how the body works, what drugs work in the body to, uh, to, to help improve outcomes for illness and injury. And as a result, there's a tremendous market opportunity out there for, uh, for, for, for targeting medications, precision medicine, or personal medicine. That's all means the same thing. Yeah, as we learn more and more about DNA and how the makeup of your DNA influences your health outcomes, you get more and more tailored healthcare products and drugs that can improve your your medical issues specifically based on what your body has to say. And I, I almost think of this as you're you're mining for information in the same way that the the gold rush miners were mining for gold. You're digging into the body and all of the the hidden things that DNA has to tell you and you're extracting information. And there are so many researchers out there looking into the implications for medicine and how we can better tailor it to a unique situation. Mm, yeah, Christine, and digging into that, digging into that DNA, right? 
can produce billions and billions of dollars in revenue for companies that develop drugs based on whatever they it is that they're learning. I mean, we already are seeing that, right? We have $300 billion a year that are being spent on prescription medications in the United States alone. And you've got over a hundred billion dollars being spent on specialty medicines that are complex biologics that theoretically will get even more and more complex as we learn more and more about how genes overexpress and underexpress to create proteins that impact cellular functions. Yeah, and you and I are both big fans of investing in these drug makers. We talk about them all the time on this program. But the picks and shovels way to play this is not in the drug makers themselves, but rather a company that we also have talked about on the show that does the sequencing of the DNA itself. And this company is Illumina. Right. And I think one of the things that, you know, we've talked about in the past in the show, and I always like to, you know, hammer this point home because we never know if we have a new listener. Uh, that the fact that so many clinical trials fail, right, Christine? I mean, over 90% of clinical cancer trials um, have have come up short. And what that means is that if you're going out and you're trying to pick that one individual company that's going to be the success story in personal medicine, well, the odds are stacked against you. Instead, it can be smarter, perhaps, to focus on a pick and shovel play like Illumina because they're selling the systems that all of these researchers and all of these commercial stage drug makers and biotechnology companies are using to learn more about DNA and RNA and the impact of over and under expression on uh, disease. And importantly, Illumina has been able to bring down the cost of doing so to a degree that is unfathomable. I mean, you look at what the cost of the first ever genome sequence was, and it was maybe a million dollars, a ballpark around there. It was very, very expensive to just get a single genome sequenced. And it now, took forever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this was this enormous endeavor to do the very first one. And Illumina has been working and working on bringing that cost down, making it a more efficient process. And their newest sequencing machine called the NovaSeq could potentially bring the cost of a single uh, genome sequence down to $100, which is absolutely mind-blowing. And that opens up so many possibilities, not just for researchers and not just for drug makers, but even for doctors to be able to just kind of casually order a genetic sequence for their patients in order to find out the exact biomarkers of a a cancer tumor or any other countless number of of things that you can find out from sequencing DNA in order to get the best personalized treatment. Yeah, we are complex creatures, and these are complex machines, and they're costly machines. I mean, these machines can cost a half a million to a million dollars and more. And so far, you know, there are other competitors out there that make gene sequencing systems, but Illumina is the granddaddy and it's the Goliath. It's got over 7,500 of these systems spread out across the world. And it gets, I think it's a little bit more than 40% of its sales outside the United States. So it doesn't matter if you're talking about a researcher that's in Shanghai or a researcher that's in London or a researcher that happens to be in Cambridge or San Francisco, they're most likely using an aluminum machine. And if they're using an aluminum machine, then not only did they buy the aluminum machine, but they're consistently buying all of the other consumables that are used by these machines to do all of the sequencing. And that's why 
the reducing of the price to gene sequencing is such a good thing for Illumina's long-term story, right? Because now we're talking about cheaper to sequence means more sequencing activity, which means more demand for those consumables. Yeah, this company is not only picks and shovels, it's also razor and blades model, which is something that, as investors, we love. We love to see that consistent, steady income coming from the consumables. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they represent a large share of the company's sales. I think it's 61% in the most recent quarter came from that razor blade uh, consumable side of the business. Now, I I think that you're going to see mix shift a little bit as this next new generation of machines, um, more of those get installed and sold because they have lower margins. So you may go through a little bit of a a growth, uh, uh, growing pains in terms of earnings, may not grow quite as quickly because the margins may slip a little bit because of product mix. Don't worry about that. Don't focus on the quarter-quarter machinations in this. You're still talking about a massive opportunity, double-digit grower, profitable company with deep pockets that's an innovator and at the cutting edge of this technology. Yeah, I do think that some investors are a little bit concerned that the cheaper machines are going to cannibalize sales of the more expensive machines. But the way that I see it, one third of new orders for the NovaSeq machines have come from new customers because it is a cheaper machine that brings the per per genome sequence cost down as well. And so they're able to reach people who previously wouldn't be willing to spend this money uh, to do their research or to treat their patients. And this company, as you mentioned, it, it does have a big growth trajectory in front of it. You have to think about long term because it's pretty darn expensive as well. I don't have the multiples in front of me, but it is traditionally an extremely expensive company. And that's because it does seem like they're just getting started. And this entire wave of precision medicine is something that's very early going. Yeah. And I've heard some people say, well, you know, won't at some point all the genomes be. Uh, uh, discovered, will all this research have been done? What will the demand be long term for these machines? Okay, so maybe you reach a point where there's a little bit of a tipping point where you have all of the machines installed everywhere and maybe you've got so much information that you're, you're, the, the pace of research slows a little bit. But you have to understand too that this company isn't ignorant to that fact. They're already making some pretty big investments in the ways that this information can get used longer term that will diversify their revenue stream theoretically a little bit away from the systems. And we're, again, we're talking, this is a multi-decade uh, uh, shift in its business. This is not something that's happening in a year or two. But the two different businesses that I think are most interesting to investors to take a look at are Grail and Helix both of which Illumina owns a big stake in, and both of which are looking at new and unique ways of using all this genetic information we're developing. Yeah, both of these, as you mentioned, are definitely long-term plays. They're doing revolutionary things, and you're right that even if the core business were to eventually hit a tipping point, it's entirely likely that at that point it wouldn't matter because Grail and Helix will hopefully have panned out by then. Yeah, and there's opportunities, obviously, to team up with these drug makers and to take a small share in royalties or who knows what of sales further on based upon whatever they've discovered. Um, Grail is looking for early detection of cancer. Imagine being able to detect cancer at stage one. Before you even show symptoms. Right, right, exactly. I mean, it's so, cancer is so much more easily treated when it's caught early. The earlier that we can catch it, the better. And if Grail is able to do that, wow, that could be a huge driver 
for 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 Illumina long term again multi decade looking further and further out. Helix is also intriguing because you're talking about a warehouse that can store all of your genetic information and an app store that you could go out and be able to purchase different apps to learn more about your genetic code. So there's different interesting ways that I think Illumina can 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 benefit from this whole move towards personalized medicine and you know it's a great pick and shovel type play on this on on precision medicine. Absolutely. Sounds good, Todd. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. As usual, we would love to hear from you at industryfocus at fool.com. Let us know what you thought of today's episode and if you have any topics that you'd like us to hit in the future. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, I'm Christine Harges. Thanks for listening and Fool on.